I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at moms don't have time to read books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's episode has been sponsored by Faraday. Faraday is basically my favorite clothing store that exists. I thought I was finding this undiscovered gem in a tiny little mall in California and Palisades Village. Anyway, I went into Faraday one day and like freaked out and I've been following them ever since. Um, I love their clothes and so does my husband, Kyle. And you can enter code Zibby, Z-I-B-B-Y and get 25% off on their website, FaraDayBrand.com. F-A-H-E-R-T-Y-B-R-A-N-D.com. I kind of hate to tell you all about Faraday because <laughs> I kind of liked being in the know and like having my own secret stash of clothes, but it's amazing and you will love them, especially their new cozy fall sweaters, which I've been wearing on Instagram and um, their pants, which have like the maternity band type thing up top and fit everybody. Uh, their shirt dresses, their shirt slash jackets for guys. Anyway, they're amazing. Enter code Zibby, get 25% off. I have done this now a couple of times and really have to stop. So anyway, please order. Cecily von Zygesar is the number one New York Times bestselling author of the Gossip Girl novels, which inspired the hit television series of the same name. Her latest book is called Cobble Hill. She lives in Brooklyn, New York with her family. Welcome, Cecily. Thanks so much for coming on Moms and Our Time to Read Books. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. See, that was so easy. I just asked a question. I, not even. I said something. You said something back, right? <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> 
<laughs> First of all, Cobble Hill is so great. And I was so excited to see that you had come out with a new book and it did not disappoint in the slightest. And I love your characters and your sense of humor and the whole thing. And I just had to say that from the outset that I thoroughly enjoyed it and needed like a like a fun escape that pokes fun at basically everybody. And that was awesome. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's really nice to hear. I'm at that kind of like tender stage where I'm terrified about what people are going to think of the book because it's just, you know, people are just reading it now. And so it's always nice to hear good things. (laughs) Thumbs up. (laughs) So I know, obviously, you've written the Gossip Girl series, and that was like, you know, smash hit, blah, 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 TV show, fame, whatever. Now, how do you go from that and write another book and tell me how you came up with the idea for Cobble Hill? And we'll go from there. Well, it's it's been a long time. The first Gossip Girl book came out in 2002. And it's been a while. But there are also many of them. And as you said, a TV show. And I have actually written a couple of books in between that weren't really widely read. But I kept also getting distracted and pulled away from this idea by other things. Also, my kids. (laughs) The same, actually, 2002 was when the first Gossip Girl book came out, but also when my first child was born. So she's starting at college now. So it's, (laughs) there you go. There's a good marker. (laughs) But so Cobble Hill, actually, is the sort of germ of the idea came about in a conversation or many conversations, paranoid conversations that I had with my kids' elementary school nurse. And after reading the book, you'll discover that there is very definitely a school nurse in the book. And she would send out these lice letters. <laughs> and, like, and I would just completely freak out. The minute I got the lice letter in my kid's backpack or whatever, I'd just be like, they're all over me. I have like, they're, they're like in the walls, they're everywhere. And so like, I would go, and she was this really nice, just lovely person. And I would just go into her office and, start out talking about lace and then we wound up just like chatting about other stuff. And so I knew I wanted to write a book set in this neighborhood, the neighborhood that I live in. But I was like, in talking to her, I was like, I have to have, I have to, you know, have lice in my book. (laughs) (laughs) It was just so ridiculous the way, I mean, it's even more ridiculous now if only lice were our problem. (laughs) The only epidemic we were worrying about. But so it sort of started with that. And then I very definitely extrapolated, you know, wildly from there. I think the, another character in the book is a, is a writer. And the longer that I worked on this, I I think I've been working on this book on and off for more than five years, which is a really long time for me. The Gossip Girl books, I wrote, you know, two a year. So the more I sort of worked on it and it moved away from kind of like the original just moms in the schoolyard type of book, it became about writing itself too, you know, and trying to like sort of make fun of my myself, like with all the agonizing that I was doing. When I was reading it, you had this one scene where is his name Ray? Roy. 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 Sorry. So he's like walking around and you're like charting the streets and like, should I go to this bar? Should I go to this place? Should I go here? Should I go there? And I'm like, 
was she actually doing this? Maybe maybe that was her morning and this was the walk she took. And then she sat down and then just wrote that out. (laughs) Actually, no, I did try. I've always like tried to find other places to write other than home. And actually right now I'm in my daughter's who went to college is her, her bedroom because I don't have an office in our apartment. And so you know, she, I don't know how happy she is about this, but her room is in my, my office. Is she, uh, is she finding this out right now on this podcast? <laughs> no, the way she found out was I took, a, she didn't have a desk in her room at all. Like, I don't even know how she got through high school without having a desk, but she just had this big fuzzy pillow on the floor, you know, like, and she would sit on the pillow and, you know, put her laptop in her lap. And so like the first week that she was at college, I took a picture of the fuzzy pillow, which it looks like a dog pillow and it's really gross by now I, out on the sidewalk, like for the, you know, garbage <laughs> takeaway. And I was like, say bye-bye to your fuzzy Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think she's too sad. She, she doesn't mind. But so anyway, I was throughout my sort of writing life. I've been wondering, you know, like, okay, there are people who like work in the park or there are people who work in coffee shops. And so I would try to, you know, I'd go to a coffee place and like bring my laptop fully intending to get something done. And I don't know how people do that. I just, all I do is eavesdrop on other people. I don't get anything done. Like it's impossible for me to do that. So part of Roy's kind of, you know, journey. And also, it's also just procrastination, right? I mean, he's like, hmm, maybe I'll try this. Maybe I'll go here. And like, in the meantime, he's not writing. (laughs) He's he's just walking around. So, but I I tell my, I tell everyone like, you know, even when you're not writing, you're writing, right? Because you're, it's all, it's in your head. And actually the more, that is actually very true for me. The more, once I sort of get going, I feel like I am kind of carrying the whole book in my head and the characters are having conversations. Now I sound like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm hearing all these voices in my head. Turns out I'm a novelist. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it is actually true that, and maybe you do have to be a little crazy to do that, but once they kind of become fully formed characters, they are talking in your head or in my head anyway. <clears throat> and I loved you. I loved Peaches, the nurse character, and how <laughs> when she got to go through, why am I blanking on everybody's name in this book, but the musician's hair when he right. came to sit down and someone little. And she was right. like, thank you, God. Thank you, mom. Thank you, everybody who didn't let me drop out of nursing school for this moment right here. It was all worth it. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah. I mean, she's a terrible flirt, I guess, but, <laughs> but I, that, I mean, that's sort of part of what I try to do with my writing. And I think I did that in Gossip Girl too. You're kind of hearing every thought that every character has, like, is that sort of like off camera thing. And it sort of adds another dimension to them, but, and sort of you're, but you're also seeing how the person they're talking to is seeing them. And, you know, it's, it all gets very complicated, but um, it's, I think, I think part of what I, sort of learned that I like to do in writing Gossip Girl was having that, the idea of, of that sort of perfect, you know, looking person. And then you see how flawed they really are and insecure. So I had a lot of fun with that in Cobble Hill too. I mean, I think 
hopefully it's amusing <laughs> to hear how insecure these, oh, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it was also me, you know, wandering around my neighborhood and wondering what all these people are really doing. Like when they go home, these people who don't seem to have normal nine to five jobs like me <laughs> and who might be sitting on a park bench at 11 o'clock in the morning with their laptop or, you know, getting a coffee or just like walking around. And, you know, I, I think I became fascinated with like what, what those, what those people really are doing <laughs> and what their lives were like. I mean, I feel like it's, it's human nature, perhaps maybe more novelist nature, but to wonder like what everybody's thinking and doing and, like, what is everybody doing? I remember working when I actually had like a nine to five job in marketing before I went to business school. And one day I got the day off and I like remember going to the reservoir and thinking that was like, oh, this is like the height of luxury that I can go running in the middle of the day. And I was like, who are all these people? How is everybody else out and about? Like, what are, what, what are they all doing? How are they all here? And your bugs like are the backstory that everybody is really wondering, you know? <laughs> and you even have your like Anna Wintour-ish character who's, you know, pretending like she's so busy at work and doing absolutely nothing. And I don't know, you just have like so many funny characters in different ways. And it's just great. You poke fun at everybody from like the Latin teacher to the, it's just awesome. It's just like, why not make fun of everybody? in a nice, funny, <laughs> literary way. That's really what you do. <laughs> yeah, I hope I'm not... It's funny because the teenagers are two sort of main teenage characters as well. And I think they're like the more serious characters in a way. And, like, I'm, and that was sort of something that I maybe have discovered in my middle age, that it's like just because you're a grown-up doesn't mean you act like one, you know, and sometimes the teenagers are a little bit more responsible. I mean, they're, they're actually, I have so much sympathy for like my kids. I'm sitting, I'm like still in my bathrobe with my cup of coffee and it's like seven o'clock in the morning and they're like completely dressed. My, you know, daughter's eyelashes would be curled and all this, you know, and they're like facing the day and doing so much. And I'm like, bye. <laughs> like, like, I'm just going to go write a book like in my bathrobe. I mean, so a lot of it came out of that, just realizing like how much shit they have going on in their lives. And also that there's so much that you deal with in high school that if you're kind of in your like little neighborhood adult bubble, you know, you don't necessarily have to deal with that at all, you know? So there's a lot of that in the book too, just this almost like that the teenagers are dealing with like what's happening in the world, like the world around them more than the adults are. So essentially you're have like, did you ever actually debate faking MS yourself so that you could stay in bed all day? Oh my God. <laughs> Mandy is actually like, oh, I think one of my favorite characters because she, it's funny. At first I was worried, like, are people just going to hate her because she's, you know, so indulgent and she's just like staying in bed all day. And then, but then I became so envious of her. Like, what if, like, why not? Like, what? <laughs> why not just take a little time and stay in bed? And I feel like it's sort of a brave thing to do somehow. And she doesn't, like, she gets through it. Like, she actually sort of grows throughout the story. And, like, she's kind of moving on. But it was just something she needed to do. But I actually, I have a couple friends who 
have MS and like, I don't know when they were just talking about their symptoms. It, it, it's, it was so twisted of me. I was like, this is the perfect disease to fake, you know, just be like, yeah, I don't, I think I just need to like take it easy right now. So this is just the way my completely crazy brain works. But like, I was just, I sort of had this idea while talking to my friend from college who has MS and just kind of went with it. (laughs) But it also, it, it seems like she I don't know. Do you, what, how do I, I guess I can ask you, do, like when you read about it, were you like, oh God, she's so lazy? Or were you sort of like, that takes, you know, a certain degree of courage to just be like, I'm staying in bed. Well, at first I was like, oh, I wonder what's wrong with her. Is she depressed or what's going on? And then first you hear about it from her husband. So then I like felt yeah. sorry, right? Then I was like, oh no, this poor woman. And then you find out that actually she's faking it. And I was like, I cannot believe that she's faking it. <laughs> Like, I just couldn't. I feel like, are we, like, spoiler alert? Like, I don't know. Are you, you know, the whole time she's faking it. I love how I wrote the book and I can't remember. I feel like that was all very early. I mean, I don't know. Did I ruin it? I could take that. I mean, it's it's all very early in the book. I don't know. She, you see her, the per process of like Googling what to, like what the symptoms are. And, yeah. I wonder if there will be an outbreak of other moms being like, you know what? I don't want to take my kid to school anymore. I'm doing <laughs> like, I'm just staying in bed. I love you. And you put like the bed in the living room. I feel like actually what it is, it's like every crazy stressed out mother's fantasy is basically what you wrote because it's like, you know what? I've had enough. Like, that's it. You know, what? I'm just not going to do this anymore. Let's see what happens. Right. Well, no, I mean, also some of man, or no, probably like all of her behavior kind of came from that, you know, moment where I'm like saying goodbye to, you know, my family in the morning and it's just like me and the dog. And then I'm like, what if I just like took to my bed, you know, like, and they came home from school and and like work, whatever. And I was just like in bed. (laughs) How crazy would that be? Yeah. And so instead of doing it, I wrote it. There we go. I mean, why not? (laughs) So Cecily, how did you get into writing to begin with? Or maybe it's just a natural outgrowth of what goes on in your head. But how did you, like, how did you, how did you start the Gossip Girl series? Like, how did that all become, how did you become a published author? How did it begin? Oh boy. Okay. Well, I mean, going like way back, I mean, I was uh, in high school, like English was my favorite class. I had this wonderful teacher who named Christine Scott, who she's actually a a published author, but she really encouraged me to begin with when I was a teenager to write outside of class. And so I, I think in my sort of in my head, I always had this idea that it was like the only thing that I was really good at. And so in college, I was, I was an English major. I took all the creative writing classes that they offered. I actually did both poetry and fiction. And so for my kind of like senior thesis, I published a collection of short stories and poetry, which is, it's actually funny. Like, I don't really write poems, but then when I'm writing a book, like Dan in Gossip Girl in the books is a poet and he writes poetry. So it's like, it's kind of my... And then in Stuart in Cobble Hill is a musician. And I mean, that's not poetry, but I did have fun with his little like one line kind of rhymes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Anyway, I, I started a master's, an MFA in fiction writing, but I didn't actually finish. Maybe I could go back. I just did a year because I sort of felt like I wanted to be like living in the world and not in school anymore. And my first job was actually in publishing in England, like working for a children's book publisher. My husband is English. We met over here and then I went over there to live with him and got married over there. Uh, hence Roy is British and in Cobble Hill. And this is how I know so much about English people. (laughs) (laughs) Half of my family is English. But so I was, even while I was living in England in my early twenties at that job, I sort of, it was like this weird, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people have encountered this. Like I had this kind of editorial assistant job and I didn't really have enough to do. And so I would start writing my own stuff. Like I don't, I know, I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing, but none of that was ever published. It's all on like floppy disk. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do with those? And anyway, then we moved to New York and I got a job with a company called 17th Street Productions, which then was acquired by Alloy Entertainment, but they were a very unusual company. It was a book production company, which meant that they, sort of came up with ideas for series, mostly young adult series. And the editors were really kind of in charge of like the content and what the series would be. So that was 
my job. And, but then they would outsource the writing and like hire writers who didn't get to use their own names. And one of the most well-known series that they had done before I got there was Sweet Valley High. But I was hired to work on a horse series because I had grew up riding horses called Thoroughbred. And it was like about horse racing. And there were, it was such a big series. There were, I think we published like one book a month or something. It was crazy. Like I've never, I was insanely busy because I had to like come up with the plot lines for the, the stories. Anyway, I'm going on and on. Like, so the company kind of wanted to develop and produce more kind of authentic fiction. And, you know, they worked with all the big publishing houses. And so one of, and one of the series that we came or one of my colleagues came up with while we were there was the sisterhood of the traveling pants. And at the same time, another colleague of mine, after reading a newspaper article about a girl who kind of like exposed everyone in her class some sort of scandal that through instant messaging, he came up with the, this title, Gossip Girl. So the title was not mine. And then in the sort of development process, I was assigned this to like, well, you know, come up with like the characters. And, the, and so I just like went completely crazy. And I was like, I don't want this to be like anything we've ever done before. I don't want it to be like in this weird made up place like Sweet Valley High. It's going to, I grew up in Manhattan. It's going to be about Manhattan teenagers. And I, you know, I came up with the whole cast of characters. I wrote like the sort of introduction and they sent it out to publishers. And this one editor, Cindy Egan at Little Brown read it and was just like, this is amazing. This sounds exactly like the people that I went to boarding school with. Like, I'm going to come and talk to you about publishing this. And she asked in the meeting, who wrote this proposal? And I was like, I did, you know, I was still like kind of like a junior person there. And she was like, well, you're writing the books. And so my boss was like, we don't usually do that. And And she was like, no, she's writing the books. And I mean, she was really my champion. And so they gave me a shot at writing the first book and she insisted that it, it have my name on it. And then, I mean, it's sort of like to make a long story short, by like the time this third book was coming out, it was like on the bestseller list before it even was published because people were like pre-ordering it and I quit my job Um, (laughs) (laughs) and was just writing Gossip Girl full time while also like nursing my newborn baby. (laughs) And it's funny because... The other thing that went as the books, as Gossip Girl became more and more popular pretty early on, because I literally gave birth to my daughter and the first book came out at the same time and the second book came out like six months later, the publisher, Little Brown, had told people like she can't travel right now because I like just given birth. But like somehow, like, I don't know, like got in this system that like Cecily Vonsegazer doesn't travel. So like years later, people like, I know you don't travel, but like, I feel like I had this like weird reputation or something. And I was like, what do you mean I don't travel? I'll go anywhere. Like I'm a travel, like, (laughs) I love to travel. And it was all just because of the the weird timing of that first book that like, there was this idea that like, I never travel, but like, then the word got, I was like, 
I'm going to Brazil. <laughs> I'll go anywhere. <laughs> if you want me, I'll go. So yeah, that was. And then how, how involved were you then with it being adapted as a TV show? So that happened, I don't even remember when the show came out, 2007, is that right? Well, I, I wasn't involved in the writing of the show, but you know, I met with the creators of the show. I had lunch with Stephanie Savage at the restaurant in Barney's. And then we went and I was like, well, you have to like, she, I mean, she's not a native New Yorker. She's actually Canadian. And we like walked around the reservoir in Central Park. And then we went to my school and we watched the girls coming out of school. And I don't know, I felt like I needed to kind of like take her around the neighborhood where it all kind of happens just to like be sure that she, I don't know, like, I think I was being a little crazy because then they wound up doing like an incredible job and it was like, you know, way better than I ever could have imagined. But I was so nervous that it was going to be like, filmed in LA, you know, like I just, I mean, I didn't know at that point. So, and they were also very generous with me. Like I was able to like, you know, go on set whenever at any time. And I was, they asked me to be, to do a little cameo in like one of the later episodes. So I had, a, I had a line <laughs> and that was really fun. So, I mean, the whole the, the show was really amazing. It was really different from the books. Like it sort of started out with the first book and then completely, I mean, they went, they had to go beyond the time frame of the books, but it was, it was really amazing. Wow. Well, I think I watched probably every episode <laughs> of Gossip Girl over the years. And now my daughter, I have four kids and my daughter is 13. She's like, well, my friends are talking about the show. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do I want you watching it? It's funny because my daughter's friends, I think she was always a little bit like nervous about it or something, or it was just sort of like in her life, but she didn't, you know, because of that, she didn't really like pay much attention. And then her, like somebody would find out, you know, in like middle school, like sort of seventh, eighth grade, same, the same age as your daughter. And then you know, they'd be like, oh my God, tell your mom I want to sign. So she'd end up having to like bring signed copies of the book. Oh, no. school, and it's like, and sometimes teachers would ask too. Like, so, and then, yeah, it would just get out in, in school. And she was always kind of like keeping, trying to keep it on the lowdown a little bit. But she, I think she has pretty much watched all of the episodes of the show. I don't think she's read all the books though. <laughs> Maybe maybe later. <laughs> It'll be her like escape from school. <laughs> and aside, so I know you worked on Cobble Hill for on and off for five years. Are you? Do you have another project that you've sort of already been working on or dabbling in that you, that you think might come next, or you're just not sure what's up after this? Well, I don't want to like get anyone too excited because it's not a done deal, and I have no idea. I don't really know what my involvement is going to be, but I'm trying to just as a, almost like an experiment at this stage to, to adapt Cobble Hill for television. So they would be really fun. I think it like, it lends itself very much to a TV show, but I wanted to try to take a stab at writing this time, writing it myself. The problem so far has been that every single thing that you do when you're writing a book is not what you do when you're writing for television. So all that what I was talking about earlier, all that interior monologue, all that off camera kind of what she's thinking and what he's thinking when she's talking and all that stuff. 
you can't do any of that. <laughs> so it's just dialogue. So I'm finding it very challenging. And I also have this weird impulse to like get up and try to like act it out myself. You know, it's like, what would, well, I mean, or just like the little things like that you have the sort of stage directions, you know, so that it's not so awkward. Anyway, it's a fun experiment. I don't know if I give it to somebody, if they're just going to be like, yeah, just stick to books. Um, (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Well, what advice would you have for aspiring authors? I know this sounds, it's like everyone tells you this, but reading to me is more helpful than anything else. And I'm, I read kind of across like all genres and I even, maybe this is crazy too, but there are even like little like kids books that I love, like picture books. I love the language. I mean, it's funny that the cover of Cobble Hill looks a lot like that Richard Scarry book, What Do People Do All Day or whatever. And there's, there are some lines in that book that I really like, but I, there's a sort of like cadence to some kids books that somehow it's, it is sort of like poetry and it really, that, that kind of just like really reading for, for the kind of like the music of the sentences to me is really important. And sometimes I'll just pick up a book that I know really well because I've read it a few times and just like read a few lines. And then that gets me like going again, but I'm also just sort of, I'm a, book nerd. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I also, I am guilty of the fact that I'll like start, I'll, I'm always reading like five different books at the same time. I don't know. Do you do that? Like yes. I, I 100% um, do that. It's, it's, it's also like, I think, I feel like if the authors knew that I was doing that, they'd be like, what are you doing? You're not like just reading my book. But yeah, reading really, I mean, and sometimes it'll just be like a magazine or something like, but just uh, to get kind of like, I don't know, warmed up somehow, I always need to be reading. But the other thing that I do is I'm, well, I'm a sort of an insomniac, but I, which is part of the reason why like staying in bed all day makes sense to me, you know, (laughs) like you just, if you don't sleep, you may as well just like be somewhere relaxing. But I keep a, I keep a pen or a pencil and like a piece of paper next to my bed. So like in the middle of the night in the dark, I'll just like scribble down something because, you know, and usually in the morning I can't read it, but every once in a while it's worthwhile. And it's not even, it literally might be just like a word or something, but like I do sort of take notes on scraps of paper, napkins, post-its, just, I'm always just like scribbling something down. This isn't good advice. This is just illustrating how crazy I am. I think it's great <laughs> advice. I I think reading is great. I think scribbling things down is great. I think opening up a book and getting inspired just by a couple of sentences is awesome. I mean, why not? That's great. I think this is all great advice. The other advice I have is like, I know like after years of doing this that like, I don't, my brain doesn't really work that well until like, three in the afternoon. Some people are morning people. Some people, I'm definitely not a morning person. So I don't make myself do anything that, I mean, I probably wouldn't keep anything that I, if I sat down at nine o'clock in the morning and like made myself right, it wouldn't be good. So I do everything else beforehand. Like, and I think that's also like, I mean, I, like I exercise and I do all the like chores that I need to do. And I, 
you know, and read and all that stuff like in the first part of the day, because, and then all of a sudden I'm like ready to go. And it's, it has always been a shame for me that three o'clock in the afternoon was like when people would start coming back into the house, you know, (laughs) so I'm like, I'm writing. (laughs) And I can, I can also work, you know, I can be working at two o'clock in the morning. I think ideally, like if I didn't have a family, I would work from probably at three in the morning until, I mean, sorry, three in the afternoon until 11 o'clock at night. But that doesn't, that doesn't really work when you have other people in the house. But I, I do, it's nice when you can just kind of give yourself the liberty of being like, I I don't, you don't have to, you're not going to write for eight hours. You're not going to like, it's not like a normal job. So you have to, I, I mean, what works best for me anyway, is just being like, oh, okay. I have to like, I'm just like, literally just take a couple seconds to like write this down, you know, scribble this down. And somehow like I managed to piece it all together when I, when I do have that time and then my brain is in the right place and then I'll write 20 pages at a sitting, you know, like it's, but you don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, don't force it. Don't don't try to force something that isn't happening. Just like go take a walk or go running or go read something if it's not, because you can't like make yourself be creative. Or wander around Cobble Hill looking for a (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Cecily. Thanks so much for coming on my podcast. I know you're not a big podcast person, but you should listen to it because you're a big book lover and you might enjoy it. (laughs) I'm like, it's so funny. I'm so, I'm just like old fashioned. Like I'm just starting to discover podcasts. And so I'm excited. Like this is good. <laughs> somehow I thought like podcasts were for like the people who are const- or like wired, you know, like they're, <laughs> they're, and they're not, they're for everyone. <laughs> well, I can do too. <laughs> You can experiment with your own. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, have a great day. And Thank thanks, thanks so much for doing this. <laughs> Thank you, Zoe. It was really fun. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much to Faraday Brand for being my sponsor this week. FaradayBrand.com. Enter code Zibby for 25% off. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.